0: Welcome to San Diego News Fix, The Backstory. I'm Luis Cruz. After months of review, the district attorney's office announced last week that it would not file criminal charges against three former San Diego State University football players accused of gang raping a 17-year-old high school senior at an off-campus party last year. While the announcement closed one chapter in the high-profile case, a civil lawsuit, a university inquiry, and many questions remain. Joining us to unpack all of this are Union Tribune Public Safety Editor, Dana Littlefield, Public Safety Reporter, Terry Figueroa, Saturday Editor, Lindsay Winkley, and we begin with Managing Editor, Laura Cicalo. Laura?
1: Thank you, Luis, and thank you, Terry and Dana and Lindsay, for for being here. This story that we ran on Sunday, in addition to kind of recapping the news about the district attorney's uh, decision not to prosecute in this case, looked at some of the potential repercussions, um, as well as some of the factors that may have played into that decision. And I was wondering, maybe Terry, if you could first just kind of briefly recap um, some of those considerations about whether to bring charges, what's involved in that? What did the district attorney's office
2: say about that decision? Well, in this particular case, the district attorney, um, they had this case on their desk for four months. Um, There had been a nine-month investigation by police, and then the district attorney took its own closer look at it. And ultimately, they said they just did not have a path to a criminal conviction. And what that says is, as ethically as prosecutors, they have to be able to say that they can prove a case beyond a reasonable doubt. And they just didn't feel that they had that here. That doesn't mean that that um, there was or wasn't uh, something that happened, it's they cannot prove it beyond a reasonable doubt in court.
1: That, that That's a great distinction. and And part of the thread of this story was the potential for a chilling effect that it might dissuade other uh, might dissuade victims of sexual assaults from coming forward. Um, And I'm wondering, Lindsay, maybe you could talk a little bit about what you were hearing from victim advocates. How did they think this kind of a case plays into decision making about coming forward? What, What were your experiences in talking to those folks?
3: You know, I think that despite sort of the progress of the Me Too movement, you know, there still is this concern that if a woman or a man or anybody else experiences a sexual assault, that they're going to report that assault, and they're not going to be believed. Uh, that they are going to go through the uh, the real traumatic process that the criminal justice system can sometimes be. Um, ultimately for nothing. Um, And it's a scary proposition for uh, people who are wrestling with um, a already emotionally charged and difficult experience. Um, And so I think the overall concern was that people were going to look at this case and see everything that came out of it and thought, man, if that case doesn't move forward, what's the likelihood that my case will? And a lot of people that we, you know, most of the people that we spoke with for this story said, look, this isn't an indictment on the decision that the district attorney made. Uh, Even when a district attorney says, look, we're not filing charges because we don't feel that we can prove these uh, charges beyond a reasonable doubt, even when they are not saying to the victim, we don't believe you, that is often what the victim experiences and synonymously, other people who can see themselves in that in that survivor's story um, may also sort of uh be affected by that decision.
1: Well, and I, I imagine it also gets at that issue that Terry was just talking about, the the confusion maybe in the part of some people's minds between moving forward on a criminal case versus, you know, whether or not something happened the the fact that they're not pursuing those criminal charges does not mean that there there was not an assault it means as you said they they can't prove it a lot of people may assume though the lack of criminal charges means you know that there there is nothing there right the public perception so maybe Dana you you could answer i think To get into some of the journalistic questions, how would you respond to the criticism that um, maybe the outcome, the decision here on the part of the district attorney reflects a rush to judgment and whether this follow story that we did might potentially betray a little bit of A bias. I think some people might question, we chose an angle that looked at this potential for the chilling effect on victims, rather than what's the result of the DA's decision as it uh, affects the accused. You know, they have been publicly identified. What's the fallout there? What does this mean going forward? Uh,
4: How would you respond to to that kind of a criticism? Well, let me take the rush to judgment part first. Um, You know, I have to say, uh, I can't really weigh in on whether there was a rush to judgment here. I don't know. Um, And I think one of the, you know, we're talking about the journalism here. I think one of the most important things journalists can do is recognize first what they don't know and to not move forward as if they do know. We, do we have opinions? Do we have thoughts, theories, um, working theories that we are pursuing as we are doing our reporting? Of course we do. But having the restraint to recognize you know, whether we have enough information to say that this was in fact a rush to judgment Um, You know, that's that's a a separate question. That's something that we need to kind of check ourselves on. From my standpoint, I don't believe we have enough information to say um, from our point of view, as the reporters and editor involved here, that there was a rush to judgment. I simply don't know. Um, We have information about what the DA considered. Not the specifics, but kind of broad categories of what they considered in making that decision. Um, I did notice when they put out the information saying that they um, did not uh, that they were not going to pursue a criminal case here that they noted kind of high up in their statement that um, when this information came to them from the police department, the recommendation there was not to file criminal charges. that's not something I see in every statement when, you know, the DA's office chooses not to file charges in any potential case, not just a sexual assault case. Um, so so that gave me a bit of pause there. Um, so even though we did have some information, and of course, we reported that information, and of course, we asked follow-up questions uh, about what those specifics were, why they didn't you know, choose to go forward. What the specific reasons were as to why they didn't go forward with this. We simply do not have those answers. So in writing our story, we had to be careful that we were not, you know, if our sources say that, okay, that's one thing. But that information should not be coming from us because we simply do not have the evidence there to support a conclusion one way or the other. Uh in terms of your other question, Laura about um, whether our story shows a bias toward uh, the woman who reported this incident or others in similar situations like hers. Um, The way I'll answer that is to say that we, meaning myself and the reporters involved in this story had multiple conversations about how to approach this topic. Um, I will say up front that I thought it was an interesting question. Will there be a chilling effect? And the reason that that question came to the forefront is because we hear about all sorts of reasons all the time why people who are victims of rape and sexual assault do not come forward. Um, As Lindsay noted before about the Me Too movement, that was a a running thread through those discussions. Why don't people report? Well, a, a lot of times they don't because they're afraid of the repercussions. They are afraid that they won't be believed. So we thought that was a valid question to pursue. That doesn't mean that the question of what happens to those who are accused and then criminal charges are not pursued. It doesn't mean that that question is invalid or somehow unimportant. And in fact, it's something we certainly could look at going forward. Um, but this question, to me, seemed, frankly, without any hesitation um, on my part, seemed to be um, one of many questions that rose to the top of what our, you know, our next steps were. This seemed like a logical next step, and I'm glad that we looked into it. Um, and, and if I'm not mistaken, here,
2: I I think that the district attorney's statement even touched exactly. on this issue. It absolutely yeah. did. It did. It did. And and we you know we talked about that in the story that even in announcing it, the district attorney made sure to, to there was you know a paragraph in there that that said, "Please don't let this affect your decision to report."
4: Right. So when I say, I just want to say this last thing that, you know, when when I say that we, uh, the reporters and I talked about, you know, how we would approach that story, we absolutely focused in those conversations on wanting to make sure that we were not making it look like we were making a judgment as to whether the DA got it right or got it wrong. That's not our job. At least not our job, given the the information that we have at this point. That's not to say we're not looking for more information. We absolutely are. Um, but we were very careful in that story, I thought, to say, here is the situation and here is the potential fallout from that situation. And this is not, you know, it is our understanding that this is not in any way an isolated Event And that's something that we will continue to pursue going forward, looking at other situations that might be similar to this one and, and trying to figure out what that means.
1: You, you brought up an interesting point that I think gets at a related journalistic issue in that, you know, there are there are cases, including aspects of this case in which we simply don't have certain information or don't have access to certain information And I'm wondering how you balance, how we collectively balance those situations in which maybe one side or one perspective is proactively sharing information or is maybe more open to interviews, while the other side, for whatever reason, is unwilling or unable in some way is constrained from disclosing information? How how do we go about ensuring that there's fairness in those
4: kinds of circumstances? That's a situation that comes up all the time um, in lots of different kinds of, you know, journalistic stories in general, and specifically when we're talking about, you know, uh, allegations of criminal behavior. Um, you've got certain lawyers who are Simply more vocal um, and, and or they have better relationships. I'm talking about professional relationships with reporters in general or specific reporters. Um, that's another one of those situations where we as journalists have to look inward and say to ourselves, am I relying on this person or am I over relying on this person simply because they're easy to access? They're easy to get to simply because I know that they will talk to us. That is a very, very easy trap for us as journalists to fall into. And frankly, we often do fall into that that trap. And we have to make sure that we are pulling ourselves out of it or avoiding it entirely. And so that means having those conversations internally. Um, you know, sometimes I like to pause. This might sound a little loopy, but, you know, sometimes I like to pause and really just kind of sit in a quiet moment and ask myself, you know, how am I handling this? You know, who am I who am I not going to for information on this story? Who is being overlooked? And sometimes in those quiet moments, those answers will come to me. Um you know, this is, it's a tricky, tricky situation. Um, And having those conversations not only, you know, on on multi levels within the newsroom can be helpful. Um, So that means, you know, on, I'll say, our level, you know, Terry, mine, and, and Lindsay's level, where we're the ones, you know, trying to pull the story together, collectively. And then, Having some other eyes on that story as well. So that might mean having, you know, the editors above me take a look at the story. I mean, you know, certainly that's built into our process, but asking for someone to take a look with those specific questions in mind that you just asked, Laura, are we relying too heavily on this person who is especially vocal or are we not asking questions of the person who's harder to get to? Um, are, are we are we trying as hard as we could have we tried a different way you know sometimes you do need that other person to just kind of give you the the tap on the shoulder to say hey did you think of this and so we do try to do that um, again you know we as, as journalists we need to recognize that we don't have all the answers so having more eyes on a story have, bringing more people into the conversation about how to approach these issues can be very very helpful
1: yeah, very good answer. Well, um, what are the next steps in, in this case? What are the kinds of questions that we're continuing to pursue? As you've you've all mentioned, there are, there are still a lot of unknowns, um, and as we said in that story, the the civil suit is still out there, as is the university's inquiry. So, what what's kind of the next step that you
2: see? Well, in the civil suit, um, now it will probably move forward to the discovery phase, which is where both sides turn over um, the evidence that they have. Um, and ultimately, that case would, if it doesn't settle, would go to a jury. And it's so different than a criminal case or a criminal case, you have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that this happened. But in a civil trial, You only have to prove what is called a preponderance of the evidence, which essentially means it's more likely true than not true. And in addition, you only have to um, get that vote from nine of the 12 jurors, whereas at a criminal trial, it has to be unanimous before there is a, a decision, a verdict. So that is definitely one thing that is moving forward right now. There is also the SDSU is doing its own um, Title IX style investigation into what happened, where they go back and they look and at what specifically did happen. Now, whether or not, I mean, none of those, um, at least the names of, of folks that we know whose whose names were were uh, accused in a civil suit, are um, I don't think they, I don't think any of them are at the school anymore. So um, I don't know essentially what would become of that, but that is also the separate track that is, this case is not over just because the district attorney isn't bringing charges.
3: Yeah. And I think it's worth reminding people that initially when this case first came to light, that was where most of the criticism was focused, was sort of on the school's response to learning about this case. Um, So there are definitely intentions from our team um, to really take a closer look at that process overall, Um, not just specific to this case, but how does the school tackle Title IX investigations? What have those investigations looked like in the past? Just to try and get a better picture of, you know, how that works and, you know, if that system is, you know, serving its students in the way that it's supposed to.
4: I think it's worth mentioning again that as relates to the 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 investigation or the review for the for potential criminal charges, Um, we understand that that portion of this process is over, but we still have questions. And so we're continuing to ask those questions. Um, In my experience, um, covering courts for quite a long time here in San Diego County, um, we don't often get an answer out of the DA's office when they decide not to pursue criminal charges. They simply tell us that uh, they have to be confident that they can prove those charges beyond a reasonable doubt. Um, but, you know, that doesn't prevent us from continuing to ask and continuing to pull those threads and trying to see if we can get the answers to some of those unknowns that we talked about uh, earlier in this conversation. Great,
1: Right. Well, i Thank you all for being here, and I, I thank you for all of your hard work on this uh, ongoing story, and we'll see where it leads. Louise, mm-hmm. back to you.
0: Thank you very much, Laura. Lindsay, Dana, and Terry, thank you as well. That does it for this special edition of San Diego News Fix. You can read more of Terry Figueroa and Lindsay Winkley's reporting on this case on our website, San SanDiegoUnionTribune.com. For everyone at the San Diego Union Tribune, thank you very much for listening and for supporting local journalism. Have a great day, everybody.